Our Old Testament reading this morning is Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 11. Isaiah 40, reading verses 1 through 11. This is the Word of God. Comfort, yes, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold your God shall come with a strong hand, and His arm shall rule for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him, and His work before Him. He will feed His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with His arm, carry them in His bosom, and gently lead those who are with young. New Testament text is Luke 2, 22-32, particularly looking at verses 29-32, through 32, about reading the whole section here just for the context. Now when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Thanks be to God for his word. Let's pray. Almighty God, 
enter our hearts. And so fill us with your love that forsaking all evil desires, we may embrace you, our only good. Show us for your mercy's sake, O oh Lord our God, what you are unto us. Say to our souls, I am your salvation. Speak that we may hear. Our hearts are before you. Open our ears. Let us hurry after your voice and take hold of you. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. When I was a boy, the best thing in the world was when my cousins would come for a week's visit up from North Carolina. We would have the best times out in our woods. Uh, one year we built this fort out in the woods, and it was, it was, I thought it was pretty impressive. It doesn't exist anymore, but at the time it, it, was, it was quite something. It had this old recycled fence post, uh, uh, white picket fence that we, we put all around it for an outer wall. We dug a moat, we had a bridge over the moat, and then inside, in the middle, we had this, this plywood structure um, uh, as sort of like a, a citadel, a tower in the middle of this fort. Um, it, was, it was fairly rickety, but it, it held up uh, for a little while. And one night we decided we're going to sleep out, out in the woods, in this fort, um, despite the coyotes we'd often hear. Um, but we'd have a fire, and we'd have someone keep watch. Um, in, all the, in all the books or movies, whatever, that we read or saw, someone would stay up and watch, right? Because it was dangerous. So we thought, we're going to do this. Uh, but we were too scared to stay up and watch by ourselves. Uh, so we had to watch in pairs. And there were only a few of us, I think six of us who slept out there. So we had uh, a lot of shifts awake and not much time uh, asleep in, in, the, in the fort. Um, but what I most remember from that night was sitting by our little fire and just waiting desperately for the sun to come up. Just so tired, too scared to sleep, and just waiting for the sun to come up, and just watching and waiting, and it felt like forever uh, keeping watch that night. Finally, the sun came up, and we all went into my parents' house and fell asleep um, for, for a few hours. Um, anyway, Luke's Gospel this morning introduces us to this Similar situation, in a sense, of someone who is desperately watching and waiting and staying awake for God to do something. And that is, that is Simeon. He's waiting for the sunrise. He's not waiting for a literal sunrise, but something much more significant. He's waiting for the sunrise of salvation, the sunrise of God himself coming to save his people. Luke 2.25 tells us that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel, the consolation, the, the sweet, saving comfort and peace that God would bring. And he's like a watchman, Simeon is, on the walls, waiting, waiting in the hours before the dawn for the sunrise to come to hear this, this good news of salvation break out. And, and God himself had actually come and revealed to him through the Spirit that he would see this. That, that, that Simeon himself wouldn't die until he saw the Lord's Christ. And so he's watching, he's waiting with this eager anticipation. And then one day, the Spirit leads him to the temple. And, and as he goes in, the Spirit shows him this young mom and, and this young man, Mary and Joseph, and, and their little eight-day-old boy. Looks like any other little Jewish 
baby, uh, eight days old, brought to the temple, the firstborn, always dedicated wholly to the Lord, and also brought for circumcision. And Simeon, through the Spirit, knows this is it. This is God's salvation. This is the sunrise. And he takes the little baby boy in his arms and he bursts into praise for what God has done because that long night of waiting and watching is finally over. And salvation, salvation is here. Brothers and sisters, that happened a long time ago. But it's no different for us, is it? Um, the life-changing salvation, the sunrise of God coming to console us, dawned with Simeon. He saw it with the coming of Jesus Christ. And we live in that same sunrise. We, we, we live in the, the warmth and light of that same salvation, just like him. Um, if, you, if you look around, right? if you watch the news, if you look at the, the suffering in the world, and if you look at the sin and the guilt and the weights that burden your own heart, it might not always feel like you're living in the sunrise of salvation. And yet, the Word of God tells us that this is so. Simeon, just as a little aside in the text here, he's celebrating the sunrise. He knows that it doesn't mean suffering's over. Because later on in the text, he's going to say to Mary in verse 35, a sword shall pierce your heart also. There's going to be pain and grief still. There's going to be suffering still, like we've never seen. And yet, at the same time, salvation is here. In his song, loved ones, Simeon tells us that this is what Jesus' birth means for us, that God has given us peace through the salvation Jesus brings. So here, here's the point. Here's the main point. You can know the beginning of heavenly peace in Jesus Christ because God has revealed His salvation to the world in Christ. We'll unpack that in two, under two points. Number one is this. We can know the beginning of heavenly peace in Jesus Christ. This is verse 29 in the text, the first lines of Simeon's song. You can know the beginning of heavenly peace in Jesus Christ. Simeon starts his song like this. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. What's he say? Is he, is he just saying, now that I've seen the Messiah, I can die a happy man? Something similar to maybe to what back in 2004 an old Red Sox fan would have said. Now that they've won, now I can die in peace. Is that, is that what he's saying? No, um, it's, it's so much deeper, right? He's not just saying, now I can, now I can die happy. Um, he's saying that, uh, that God himself has brought peace to him. Uh, a peace that, that transforms his death, that overcomes his death, that beats death. If you look in Genesis 15, verse 15, there's this word that God gives to Abraham that sounds very similar to the word that Simeon says here. Genesis 15, 15, God says to Abraham, As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. God is saying to Abraham, Abraham, I've made this covenant with you, this relationship with you. And death isn't stronger than this relationship with you. You're mine. So when you die, you're going to die in peace. No one who doesn't have God can say that. But oh, with this covenant relationship with God. Even when you die, God's peace goes with you. It's death-defeating peace. 
That was God's promise to Abraham, Genesis 15. And it's woven through so much of the Old Testament, isn't it? Think of those wonderful words uh, that, uh, that God commands the high priest to bless the people of Israel with in Numbers chapter 6. The crowning gift of that blessing is peace. Uh, those words, the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. This is of the essence of God's relationship, his covenant with us. We see this also, Psalm 116, verse 15, that this peace is stronger than death. Again, we see this theme. It says, uh, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And that God's covenant is, is stronger than death. And the peace that he gives uh, run, runs farther than, than death. We're told then of the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 9 that he will be the Prince of Peace who, who brings this peace, this peace without end. And Isaiah 25 then gives us a picture of that day, a day when God will wipe away the tears from all faces, swallow up death forever. So this is, this, is, right, this is woven throughout all the Old Testament. God's relationship with His people is stronger than death. God's peace with His people goes through death and preserves them even, even in death itself. And now, Simeon, right? All of that, that stream, all those, all those tributaries of promises and words and blessings about peace and God's presence with His people, it's all run into this great river for Simeon as he holds the baby Jesus. Because he says, now... Now it's come. Now something bigger and fuller is here. Yes, there was covenant with God before, peace with God before, peace in death before Jesus came, but it was all pointing forward to Him, and it's all coming to its climax in Him. Uh, to, to use, a, to use a, the metaphor of the sunrise again, it's like in the Old Testament, peace in death, and that covenant relationship with God was like the moonlight. It's reflecting the sun, and it gives you some light, but, but now the sun itself is coming up. And it's so much brighter and, and clearer. That, that's what Simeon is, is saying. This peace of God that he gives us has blossomed into this reality. This comes out especially clearly in the Greek of verse 29. The first word here in the Greek is now. Not, not Lord, but now. It's an important word in the New Testament. It often signals to us that what we're talking about is, an, is something that knew that God has done in the last days to bring, to, to, to bring salvation. Simeon says then, Now, Lord, before we were waiting, we were waiting, we were waiting. But now, salvation is here. And now, now I can go in peace. Now death is not this violent and horrible separation from you and those my love, but now death is encompassed with your peace. It's a homecoming in Christ. Loved ones, I don't know about you, but I would guess, as, as for me, that when, when I read Simeon's words here and hear him say, now I can depart in peace, I want to know, can I say that? Is this a special privilege just for Simeon? Or is this for, for anyone who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ? 
is, is Simeon saying, you know, he gets this unique experience, he gets to hold the baby Jesus. The Holy Spirit says, you won't taste death till you see him come. Then he comes and the Spirit shows him who it is and he holds him and Simeon says, now I can depart in peace. Is that just for him? No, it's not. It's for all of us who come to Christ by faith. Um, we have every right in Christ to take Simeon's words to our own lips as we think about our own death. We should be able to say with him, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Because what have we seen? Not the baby Jesus in the temple, eight days old, but we have seen by faith in the Scriptures the crucified Jesus and the risen Jesus and the Jesus who's ascended into heaven itself we read of in Scripture. So if Simeon could say, when he only saw the newborn Jesus, now I can depart in peace. How much more can you and I say, seeing the risen Jesus, now I can depart in, in peace. Brothers and sisters, this is what God gives us in Christ. This is, this is the peace that he gives us. It's a heavenly peace. It's a, it's a death defeating peace. It's a peace that comes down from heaven itself and breaks into our hearts even before we get there and transforms, transforms all of our life. It's a peace that's based in Him. It's a peace that cannot be taken from you. It's, it's a peace that's rooted in Him. Where else can you find a peace that can compete with that or compare with that? Here, in Christ, you get refuge, you get consolation, you get forgiveness of your sins, all your guilt taken away forever, and death itself loses its, its sting. So come and rest in, his, rest in His peace. It sounds good. It's a sweet offer. But, but how do we come to know and enjoy this peace? That's what Simeon tells us next in, in the text. He tells us about the beginning of heavenly peace, and then he gives us the why and the how. It's because in Jesus, God has revealed salvation to the world. And this is our second point. We can know the beginning of heavenly peace because in Jesus Christ, God has revealed his salvation. Verses 30 through 32 here. Uh, turn your attention there with me now. Verses 30 through 32. Here Simeon explains the roots of this this peace. The reason he can know this peace is, is because God has revealed salvation in Christ to the world. Verse 30, he says this, For, because my eyes have seen your salvation. What is, he, what is he talking about? It's an interesting way to put it, isn't it? He says, my eyes have seen your salvation. Salvation is a word that usually pictures a dramatic rescue. Think of the uh, the Exodus, right? And Moses leading the people of Israel, the, the Red Sea opening up and the people going through. Something dramatic and impressive, a display of power. Uh, uh, but, but here, here it's just a little baby. And that, then Simeon says, this is salvation. This person is salvation. Salvation is not a what. It's a who. It's not a thing. It's a person. It's Jesus, Jesus himself is salvation. Salvation is found in Him and in Him alone. It's bound up in who He is and what He's come to do. John Calvin is always worth 
reading uh, his commentaries on, on Scripture. Calvin writes this on this text. He says, In Christ are hid all the parts of salvation and of a happy life. All salvation, Simeon is saying, is, is found here in this person, in this Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's rooted in who He is. It, it includes what Christ has done, but it, it's rooted in who He is. Who is He? Well, as we confessed earlier together in the service, He's the one who is God and man. And, and to be our mediator, He had to be God and man. Only a man can pay for the sins of a man. But only God can carry the weight of eternal wrath. And so, Jesus comes, and He is the second person of the Trinity, very God of very God, begotten, not made, of one substance with the Father, from everlasting to everlasting God. He comes down, and He joins to His divine person a fully human nature that can pay for sin and carry the weight of sin. So He comes to make atonement for us. Where else can you find such a salvation? He comes also as God's prophet, He comes to reveal to us, to speak God's word to us, to say, here's what God says. Here's who God is. He himself is the word of God. He is the priest who comes to make the final sacrifice for sin. He is the king who comes to conquer our hearts, win them for himself, and defeat our enemies. So all that he is, right? God and man, prophet, priest, and king our great Messiah and Savior, all that He is, all that He does flows out of that and is the result of that. So without Jesus, without His person and His work, there is no salvation for sinners. There is no gospel. There is no peace. And there is no life. And so, brothers and sisters, if you want the peace that Simeon enjoyed and the salvation that he saw, where is it? It's in Jesus. It's not in anything. It's in Jesus, and only in Jesus. It's it's found in knowing our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not in going to Christ and getting something from Him, but it's in going to Christ and getting Himself and knowing Him personally and deeply. You will never enjoy the peace that passes all understanding without knowing Jesus Christ really and personally. So go to Him. Get to know Him. He Himself is our peace. He is our salvation. Pour out your heart to Him in prayer. Go to His Word. Drink it up. Say, Lord, give me Yourself. Teach me who You are. This is the the heart here of what Simeon is singing of. Salvation, Jesus Christ, has come. There are two parts to this. Two phrases about this salvation in Jesus that he gives us that help us to understand a little more what he's saying here. So in verses 31 to 32, he tells us that Jesus, God's salvation, Jesus, come down from heaven, is a light of revelation to the nations. We're told here that Jesus is going to bring the gospel to the whole world, that he's like the sunrise that spreads light over all the nations. And this salvation is not just for Jews. It's for Gentiles. It's for the whole world. Um, so much of the Old Testament shows us God's particular concern for Israel and the Jewish people. He 
calls Abraham, and, and he starts this this, uh, this this new nation through him, and 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 it's a it's a, it's a, there, there's this very tight focus in the Old Testament on on this particular people, but at the same time, woven throughout it, is this promise that one day it's going to expand, that that it's not going to contract, it's going to go out to all the earth, um, and God's promise to Abraham from the very beginning, Genesis twelve three, his promise to Abraham is that. Through you, all nations will be blessed. God's purpose has never just been about one particular nation, but for a people from every tribe and tongue and nation. And we see this throughout the Old Testament, right? These little snippets, these little pictures foreshadowing for us those who will, the, the nations who will come in. There, there's, there's Tamar, there's, there's Rahab, there's Ruth, these, these little these individuals who are brought into the family showing us that one day this gospel is going to burst all bounds to the ends of the earth. God promises this. In the Psalms as well, Psalm 22, verse 7, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. Psalm 67 says, let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. And then in Isaiah we read that God's purpose is that when the Messiah comes, this worldwide blessing will also come. Isaiah 42, speaking of the servant of the Lord, the Messiah, God says, I am the Lord. I've called you in righteousness. I'll take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. And then Isaiah 49.6, continuing the same thought, God says, it is too light a thing, too small a thing, that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob, to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. So the promise is that when the Messiah comes, salvation is going to go out to the whole, entire world, all nations. So Jesus is not coming to bring life and peace and forgiveness to a small pocket of people, but to all people. He is the only Savior for all time, for all men, everywhere, the only Savior that there is. Where would we be, brothers and sisters, if God had not sent Jesus for this purpose? If he had not sent Jesus to be the light for the nations, where would you and I be? We would be without God and without hope. We would be in the dark. We would not know who God is. We would never have heard of the gospel. We would not know the forgiveness of sins, justification, new life in the Spirit. We would know none of it. We'd be sitting under the shadow of death and we would not know any peace without this. We would be under the wrath of God. We would not have forgiveness of our sins. But in Jesus, that light has gone out to the ends of the earth and it's come even to Lymington, Maine, hasn't it? It's come to you, it's come to me. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago this happened, and it's still going out farther and farther through all the generations. 
What a glorious, glorious thing that our Christ has come to show us the salvation that is ours in God alone, the forgiveness of our sins. It doesn't matter then, or this text tells us it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are, or what social class you are, where you're from, who your parents are, what your past is, what your present is, how sinful you are. None of it. What matters is Christ came to save sinners who come to Him. That's why He comes. That's the first part of what Simeon unpacks here about the salvation that's come to light in Jesus. But then he goes on. He tells us about another part. And this is in the last, the last verse. He says, it's a, Christ is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory of your people Israel. Jesus, as God's salvation, is Israel's glory. That's what he's saying. What, is, what does this mean? That word glory should should trigger for you uh, thoughts back Old Testament and, and, and the tabernacle and the presence of God coming down. Um, when God brings Israel out of slavery in Egypt in the book of Exodus, He brings them out into the wilderness. He makes a covenant with them, uh, with, with Himself, and He tells them to build the tabernacle. And He says, put it right in the middle. This, this tent that I'm going to live in is going to be right square in the middle of, of you, Israel, right in the middle of your camp to show you that I am in the midst of you. I'm not on the edge. I'm not about to leave. I'm in the midst of you. They build the tabernacle. God comes down, and this blinding cloud of glory descends on the tabernacle and fills the tabernacle. And it's the Shekinah glory. It's the glory that symbolizes God himself is with us. He's our God, and he's in the midst of us. And, and, and it was so that the people of Israel would know this, that God is, God is with us. He's our God. His glory is on us. As God's covenant people, Israel bore the very glory of God. Psalm 87, 1 through 3, reflects this same idea. It's speaking now of the temple later on. On the holy mount stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God. The glory of God in the covenant came down and rested on his people. They, they bore it. They, they reflected it. They shared in it. But it didn't always stay, did it? Um, Israel sinned over and over. They broke the covenant. God's glory departed. Psalm 89 reflects on this. It says, but now you've cast off and rejected. You are full of wrath against your anointed. You have made his splendor to cease and cast his throne to the ground. You have cut short the days of his youth. You have covered him with shame. So no longer did Israel carry the glory of God, but instead shame, the shame of their sin, the shame of being conquered by other nations, shame of their unbelief and their rebellion, the, the, the shame of their, their, their weakness, and God then gives them a promise, though, as they go into their exile, of a time when their glory will come back. Isaiah 60, 1 through 3. Arise, shine, 
For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. That's what Simeon's singing about, you see. God's glory has come to His people again in Jesus Christ. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the temple, filled with the glory of God, come down, and now Simeon's holding Him in his arms. He say, the glory of God is, is here again, with us again. And, and, and He's covering our shame again. He's taken away our shame. The shame of our sin, and the shame of our weakness, and the shame of our failures. And He's covered us with what? The righteousness of God. The forgiveness of all those sins. Spirit-filled power instead of, instead of sin, uh, sl- slavery to sin and, and weakness. He, he's come and He's covered the shame of our death with His life. And the shame of our warfare with His peace. This is what has come. This is, this is the salvation that has come in our Lord Jesus Christ. The sunrise, brothers and sisters, that has already begun. And this is where we are. And so, yes, yes, there's still trials and difficulties and sufferings. We're still watching and waiting for more still to come when Christ comes back. But still, take heart and know His peace because you're living in the dawn of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, as we wait for You to come again, let us wait in the full light of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Show us Your salvation. Teach us these things. Give us Your peace. We ask it in Jesus' name.